started. I don't know if anyone else is going to join in. If they do, just okay. I'm, I'm I'm going to admit because I bet I told you this. I didn't read the book because I thought I would have a bunch of time, and then ended up busier than. Apocalypse is busy, right? <laughs> I, I ended up busier than I was, you know, BCE. Uh, I will say I actually did read this book before. Um, like a year or two. Actually, I didn't read it. I listened to it and I was rereading it and I only got through chapter, I'm like partway, almost done chapter. Oh, I don't know which chapter is. It's not that long because a big chunk of the back, I think it only goes to like page 210 or so and I made it to 180. So I got most of the way there. I actually think the first half is is better. But, I'll admit, so, I'll admit one more thing. Sorry. Yeah. You're I'll do one more thing, give everyone a laugh. Um, <laughs> and then when I saw your picture at the pool with the book, I realized that I ended up with the wrong book. The wrong, <laughs> the wrong good to great. It's also about, you know, com self, you know companies and times. Of, what, I mean, it's like, it, 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 describes, it, it describes the same. Huh. And there's, so... There's more than one? Apparently. It's, it, it's, I have it back there. It's a different author, different, you know. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so had I read the book... I would have read the wrong book anyway. No, well, no. I mean, presumably okay. it's a, a decent book if it's published. Presumably. I mean, right. yeah. Yeah, presumably. Unless it's self-published. Anyway, all right. Let's officially start 110. Um, I think I, I know everyone on here. I don't think everyone on here knows each other. Do you want to do a quick little intro? Sure. Oh, I'm getting texted. Let me see if there's somebody trying to hop in. It's probably not, but just in case. Oh, no, it is not. Okay. So, okay. So I'm Beth Hochberger, CPA, uh, avid reader, although um, I kind of, in the last year or so, haven't been reading so much because I got into like podcasts and I won't count that as reading. <laughs> um, I also slowed down my book consumption because I actually listen to a lot of my books, driving around in the car, picking up kids, running meetings, whatever. And right now, it's just nowhere to go. I'm not really listening to very much. Um, so I do have a ridiculous, like, 500-book list on Goodreads. If you want to friend me on there, you can see what my interests are. It goes basically, like, self-help business improvement on one side and, like, sci-fi on the other. <laughs> and a couple other things sprinkled in, but not too much. It's, like, one or the other. So um, I just finished reading um, The Three-Body Problem, which is a, this crazy like quantum physics alien invasion book out of China that got translated and it was a fantastic book. Um, and I had to like hurry up and finish that so I could read good to great again. Um, so that's kind of where my interests lie. I prefer on the business side, the actual um, researched books, like good to great, like somebody publishes their research, not so much like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a consultant and I have a consulting firm, so I wrote a book to help you know, market myself, which is some of the books sometimes I have on my list. But, eh, you know, everything, you can usually learn something from there some, somewhere along the, along the way. So that's me. Um, but, yeah, I, and I wasn't uh, always an avid reader. It kind of happened, like, post-college, ironically. <laughs> After anyone forced me to read, I started liking to read more. So... Sarah, you were one of the first ones on. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Sarah Epting. I used to work with uh, Alex Ockberger, and I have recently started my own business. So while trying to think through all the concepts, reading through the book, it's 
I'm, I'm gonna go from good to great, but uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hard to say after four weeks, like, <laughs> uh, but I can define, for me, in terms of the book, um, in terms of my reading, since that's what you talked about, um, I have a learning disability, so I tend to listen to the books and listen to things, like I have a um, text-to-speech on my browser. And so I actually found um, something called short form, which I'm going to subscribe to now, that has um, everything outlined, chapter one, chapter two, and then like exercises that they make oh, wow. to think about, about what you just, the concepts you just read. And I listened to the first three chapters of this book, and I feel like that kind of gave me the the feel of the book and then I got to go through all the, the first half better than the second half so you're probably good <laughs> <laughs> okay cool Shraggy, so wanna... okay sure uh, I'm uh, Shraggy Zisman uh, I know Ben and Alex through our uh, extracurricular activities sorry that sounds terrible <laughs> Okay, fine. I mean, I can make it sound worse. You know, we, 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 we dress up and run around the parks. Uh, but no, through, uh, through, through the Royal Park with swords. Yeah, through, uh, through the Royal Chessmen, our uh, acting stage combat troupe. Uh, I'm a financial guy. I, uh, I deal with uh, personal investments and insurance. Um, was always an avid reader. It sort of fell off uh, a couple of years ago, um, including, I mean, both my business and my. Uh, you know, uh, just fun reading. Um, and I, you know, with, with business stuff and self-improvement stuff, I, I have started dozens and dozens and dozens of books. Uh, first chapter, first to the third chapter, uh, which is kind of what was my impetus for joining this group was that I wanted to, uh, just set, you know, sort of have a little bit of accountability to, uh, to reading a book. That's when I've always had the most success. Um, in theory, I should listen in my car, but, and I spent, I, well, un until, you know, until the whole, uh, you know, virus and lockdown thing, I used to spend hours and hours in my car. I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to that. Uh, the dynamics of business have changed. But uh, the fact that I could not get a CD player in my car as an option, let alone, I mean, hell, I would, I would love a tape deck. I've still got, you know, business tapes and stuff. Um, you know, so that, that cut down on a lot of my self-improvement in the car. And I've never really become all that tech savvy with uh, downloading and, and, and properly storing and sorting files on my phone to listen to. Um, you know, if, if, maybe if I went back to an iPod right now, I might be able to use it as a dedicated one. Um, I, like I said, I, I admit I have not read, I, I didn't get to reading the book. Um, <laughs> had I even gotten the right one, uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't get to reading the book. I'm sure I'm familiar with a lot of the concepts, a lot of the business leaders that I listen to, um, whether, you know, uh, either online or in person have spoken about it and have spoken about the concepts and, you know, hopefully I can, uh, add to the conversation just uh, conceptually and, uh, next time around, hopefully actually read, you know, get the right book, read it and add more to the group. It's good. Otherwise, we have to like flog you or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Wendy, you're the next box on my screen here. You want to do a little intro? Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Weiner. 
I'm the principal and founder of Conservatory Prep Schools. We're located inside the JCC. And I saw the book that you were promoting, and I thought, you know, I've heard of that book, and I've been wanting to read it for quite some time. So this sort of forced me to, you know, get it on audiobooks, and it was really, really insightful. Great. So I appreciate you putting this together. Sure. Awesome. All right, Raisy is here. Can't hear you because you're muted. I am here. Oh, my granddaughter keeps FaceTiming in because she wants to read, but she's an hour and a half late. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, nice to meet everybody. I was a massage therapist until about two months ago. Um, I work with women. I don't know when I'm going to reopen. But what's really interesting with this downtime is I had started a class on Jewish meditation and some of the Torah and Kabbalistic sources. And I had started this course in January. So my reading now is all Kabbalistic meditative stuff and I'm loving it. But when you go to business stuff, um, I love Napoleon Hill. Remember we tried that Sharon Lechter yes. book a long time ago. And, um, and I'm just excited to learn how to combine my, my new interests with my business interests and meet new people. So thanks, Beth, for doing this. Awesome. Thank you. And Brenda. Hi. Unmuting myself. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you in this hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, something different. So Bet and I went to India together last year. Um, one of our, uh, hopefully, one of many trips going forward if we can make it happen. You never travel um, anywhere again. <laughs> good travelers, definitely to great, great places. Um, so I actually am in the finance business. I'm an assistant treasurer for a large real estate investment company. And uh, I love to read, but I typically read you know, the latest novels, I just finished American Dirt, like all that, all that stuff. I can knock out books very quickly. Um, not that that's a good thing. I just tend to gobble it up. So when it comes to business related books or self-help, I'm much slower and it's hard for me to get into it. I saw you post this yesterday. I haven't read this book and maybe this will encourage me to sort of like branch out and do some, you know, personal growth, business growth, things like that just by knowing that there's meeting. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe this will encourage me to, you know, where I'm home working and just a lot more free time than I expected. So give it a oh. shot. And plus I get to see you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you. It's a better turnout than I used to get live. So yay. <laughs> Even though the person that was supposed to co-host this with me disappeared, but it's uh, all right, whatever. Um, I actually grabbed from Jim Collins website um, he's got a discussion guide and it's, um, it's kind of neat. So it takes you chapter by chapter. I would say the first couple chapters for the, for those who didn't read it, basically chapter one is like, where did he get this idea from and why did he do this research? Right. And just the idea that good is the enemy of great because so many times, you know, you're like, Oh, it's good enough. And his idea is like, well, it's not really a good enough. You can, you can be great. And at some point through the book, he kind of comes to the conclusion that in some ways it's easier to be great than to be good, which is, it's appealing. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually true, but it's an appealing, um, it's an appealing theory. Um, and so like the first chapter is just kind of his like background. How did he pick his, um, the companies he researched, his criteria, etc. Um, it's not that interesting for 
for anything else. Yeah, I thought that some of the criteria he chose, like having it be the stock return as the as the definition of great. And I know he got into more like how the the leaders were level five leaders and all these things, but I I I don't I didn't really gravitate towards that. Like, okay, well, Walgreens did this and they had seven times returns versus Eckerd had, you know, it, yeah. I don't know if that really defines what's great is how you perform in the stock market. Well, I think, you know, his reason was it was just information he could get easily. So once you're a public company and you have to put out your financials and you have all this exposure and they could, you know, they could read every article written about them. It's hard to be like, Oh, Hey, you solopreneur, you know, oh, this one person, what are you doing? Because most of us aren't so great, <laughs> or we wouldn't be kind of where we are right now. Not that there's anything wrong with any of us, but there's, there's just no way for him to measure um, what we're doing. So I'm okay with his um, methodology of how he picked them. What I find funny is I don't know what, what uh, version of this book I have. I think it's an old one because I bought this used. The copyright is 2001 right so you're talking like a world ago at this point it's a 20 year old book right and he right. did research before that so the the greats that he's talking about walgreens okay walgreens is the closest pharmacy to my house and i'm never like you know what i love walgreens <laughs> I'm like it just happens to be close by there's always like the hunt for someone who works there like clearly all these things that made these great companies, like he talks about Circuit City and he compares them to Silo. And I'm like, I remember those companies from like being a kid. Circuit City doesn't exist anymore, I don't think at this point. Uh, Circuit City doesn't. And I don't even know what Silo is. But Silo, I think it was only in the Northeast. It was like another electronics uh, store. So well, it's not, it's clearly not like an everlasting great. It was just no. in my period, they studied these couple of businesses outperformed the, the rest of the market outperformed their competition and it wasn't like a short blip where it, it was a coincidence like a one-hit wonder they, they kind of had some sustained um how, staying power which yeah you know i mean it's a little historic from 20 years ago but i think the concepts that he pulled out were still yeah so like chapter two you get into his level five leadership um, and it's the, so the thing that's interesting with this book, he talks about things that he describes in very simple terms, but there's such complicated concepts. It's like that, um, with that Steve Martin joke, like how to become a millionaire first, get a million dollars. Right. It's that same idea. It's like, okay, well, you know, you need a level five leader. Like, well, what the hell is that? Right. And he kind of tries to describe it, but, and Razy, I think you'll like this concept, you know, and it kind of goes through the whole book is like, you, you cannot be all ego, right? You can't be a level five leader and have it all be about you. And my old yoga teacher used to say all the time, the ego has its own agenda. And I'm like, this is the truest state, true, truest statement I've ever heard. And it, it pervades like, everything he talks about with these great leaders, because it wasn't about them. It wasn't these rock star CEOs. It was these people who were just very driven, 
very humble. They didn't think they were the reason the business was succeeding. And um, I mean, I've had some leadership training. I don't know if anybody here is like an MBA or, or did any of that stuff. Um, but I, I read the first chapters of a lot of leadership books. Uh, <laughs> no, but I've, I've also attended leadership seminars and, yeah, and such like that. I, I, I didn't do my MBA, but uh, the the definition that's in my like Cliff Notes version for level yeah. five leaders is exceeds expectations through a unique combination of humility and drive, funnels personal ambition into company success. Yeah. And well, the level four one is just one who can inspire subordinates and achieve higher performance. So, so he's got this hierarchy in here. It's level one, highly capable individual. Okay, that's probably most of us. I would imagine we're all highly capable. Um, level two, contributing team member. Um, I'm largely a team of myself, except I have some people that work with me. So they work for me, though. So I'm not, not really part of a team, per se. Um, yeah, but you, you can look at, at, at a team as you teaming with your clients. True. And being a capable team member in that relationship. That is true. Although that's usually string pushing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, so, sometimes we have to herd cats. Yeah, exactly. Level three is competent manager, which I feel like I'm at that, you know, at that level in my business anyway. It says organizes people resources toward the effective and efficient pursuit of predetermined objectives. Maybe I'm not the greatest, actually. <laughs> Uh, I mean, in my mind, it's clear. I, I don't know that I communicated so well. Level four, effective leader, catalyzes commitment to and vigorous pursuit of a clear and compelling vision, stimulating higher performance standards. And that's, I think, and, you know, he really makes a lot of de um, determinations in the book between a level four and a level five. It's like you can be pretty good and hit level four, but you're not level five until you're, you are this executive who builds enduring greatness through a paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional will. I will say in my professional career, I have had absolutely zero, zero level five bosses ever. Really? In any place that I have ever worked. Um, I've had psychopathic, egotistical maniacs. I've had just like whatever uninterested, ap apathetic, people um i've had uh people who i think were worried that i might be outperforming them and therefore were total a-holes to me like i have never seen this in action so if anyone's ever worked for somebody you have yeah actually um so my background i have 10 years of nonprofit management experience so i was lucky enough to one of my first real jobs, um, was working for the Georgia Alliance Lighthouse Foundation. They help low-income Georgians get eyeglasses, eye surgeries, and hearing aids. And they've been around for, when I started there, about 60 years. But they kind of, obviously, Lions Clubs are literally dying off. Yeah. Um, and so the executive director, who was young, she was like 29, 30 when I was hired, just totally shifted everything. And she has this humility and drive and team building and making sure she has the right team. And so, and, and making smart decisions, like the thing that they talked about, like not your to-do list, but also your to-stop list, yeah. right? What's not working? Well, you know, collecting recycled eyeglasses 
that's great, but really most people wear bifocals and you can't really give that away anyway because it's so specific. specific. Yeah. And so what she did was team up with other nonprofit clinics, get the mobile equipment to bring in, so they had the populations we were serving, then we bring in a volunteer eye doctor for the day, do tons of eye exams, and then pay for the optical. So we were able to grow the company at helping people, 10 times as many people with just four times the budget. Wow. That's so amazing. like she just really built consensus and where the, the rubber met the road is, is just that scrappiness and that really like team building. And I feel like she passed that on to me in terms of the people that I managed going forward and building their career. And it just, it was really great until it wasn't. <laughs> because That's how it usually goes. Because with Most my credits. were never great. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> yeah. The, the unfortunate thing with nonprofits is you don't have complete control as staff. There's board. And the board can really affect yeah. what happens with the organization. And the Lions Clubs felt like she took it too far and that she was stealing the organization away from them. Oh, it sounds like ego so, right there. <laughs> so, but I definitely see her, like, everything he described, I definitely. But since then, no, not really. Right. Yeah. I, I see a lot of that in some of the uh, the upper field leaders in, uh, in Primerica, where, you know, when, when a lot of them, when they've attained a certain level, you know, are, uh, you know, ha in, in, you know, continue having that, you know, that humility and dedication um, and selflessness, you know, and, and, and it's not even all the way up. I mean, some of that trickles down, maybe, you know, maybe some, some of the characteristics of fives that skip over, you know, and, and they're, they're still, you know, just, you know, fours or threes, but have some of that humility. I mean, I have a, uh, you know, one of the regional vice presidents that has no financial interest in me. I'm not part of his, uh, organization. Uh, but just, you know, we became friends because we sort of, you know, we, we, we ran into each other a couple of times. He did some counseling for me, uh, just, you know, with getting some of my mental set and, you know, looking at how to analyze some of uh, the numbers in my business, uh, which I, you know, I'm, I'm a numbers guy and I'm not great at analyzing my numbers. Uh, yeah, but, um, but, you know, just that, that level of, that level of service. Um, I've, I've seen it, uh, rarely in, in other corporate structures uh maybe once in a while you know maybe somebody who had a hint of it uh back when i was in the advertising world people that you know were really passionate about it and uh you know and, and i think it takes attaining a certain level of success because you know, a lot of the people as they're in that drive towards that you know step around certain leadership roles and it's very rare and i've, I've seen it taught but i've very rarely seen it put into action and I'm probably guilty of this as well that while you're building up to that level of success and that you know and that level of leadership implementing that you know that that sort of selflessness and humility in in, in what you're doing uh, I've seen it taught I've, ra I've rarely seen it implemented earlier on in people's career or path well one of probably my sole source of really leadership training, believe it or not, has been my involvement in Boy Scouts. Um, we get a lot of leadership training as leaders. Um, and I will say I was also a Girl Scout leader 
we got a lot of training in selling freaking cookies and we got very little training in how to lead and really what, and I shouldn't call it Boy Scouts, it's uh, BSA now because they've gone co-ed, which I was so thrilled about because I hated dealing with Girl Scouts and I'm publishing this on the internet, so I don't care. They can, they can <laughs> hear all about my rant on the organization that I've been in both. And, you know, you, I have gotten more leadership training as an adult through Boy Scouts of America and having to take that because I am a scoutmaster for my daughter's um, female BSA troop, having to learn it and then pass it on to other people. And one of the core things of the leadership training is servant leadership because it's not about me. I'm not, I'm not going to become an Eagle Scout. I can't, you know, but I need to help coach and develop these kids into leaders so that they can become leader. Um, they can become their own leaders and take it along. So it gives me some hope for the future. <laughs> it's a, a, I know like whatever there's pol- politics, there's opinions about Boy Scouts as an organization, but on the ground, it is the one of the only places that I have seen for kids to really learn this kind of level five leadership. Not that every adult involved is a level five leader. Clearly that is not the case, but it's, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else out there. I have not found anything else. I guess the closest would be the karate program my kids are in because they, it's not, I don't know how much it's leading. They learn to teach, right? So they have to be a good role model so that they can teach the younger kids and the lower belts and whatever. But just like that, you know, you need to step into this leadership role when your skills are needed and you need to pass that on and you need to develop new leaders so that you can move on to something else and somebody capable can come up behind you is the only place I have seen it. Um, You know, and I haven't really actively pursued everything I could be doing in there just because it's a time commitment um, or anywhere else because time. But it's, um, it's interesting to me. That was the one thing that I kept thinking is that like lack of ego, like you can't be egotistical and, you know, trying to get seven other, um, uh, seven other like teenagers <laughs> to work together to build a campsite and, and all this. So, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that get that kind of training. Uh, and that's why you get, to the moon by being an Eagle Scout. <laughs> you know, you get to, well, I, and even I guess in politics so much, you don't have that many of them, but in the military, you have a lot because it's kind of falls in line. It's almost like paramilitary training, not the, the war aspect, but just the leadership and team building. Um, but Sarah, I thought you brought up a really interesting point, what you were talking about your previous boss that figured out like the people because the second chapter of the book is all about the people and that the people are more important than what you're doing. Right. And he says, what is it? Who first, then what I think is the, the phrase. And it's so true. I've had people work for me who are super qualified at, on paper anyway. And I'm like, you suck. <laughs> like, I don't know how to put it. Like you just suck so hard. I don't know who wrote your resume for you, how you got through my interview but you're terrible to <laughs> fire them because they're just, they were like so incompetent. I was like, I don't understand how you claim to have this background that you have and you can't do anything. 
Um, there's just, you know, certain aspects to, to humans that you can't really train. The, I, I think the, the best example I've ever had of the exact opposite of it was I was working, I was, I was doing freelance work. This is, I don't know, 20 plus years ago, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit less. And uh, I was working as a temp admin at St. Vincent's Hospital for the head of the ethics department, who was a, like uh, I think he had a PhD in philosophy, he had an MD, and he was a Franciscan friar. So an extremely, <laughs> extremely educated man. He was running, you know, he was, he, he was the first head of the newly formed ethics department at St. Vincent's Hospital. And I mean, the, the, the funniest part of the story was I once saw him throw a foot stomping, hand waving tantrum. You know, and, and that was how he, and I'm, uh, I'm getting rained on. Uh -oh. uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's like the example I, I have of the exact opposite of what that should, you know, uh, of, of leadership and, and whatever. All right, get, I, I got to, give me a minute. Sure, sure, no problem. Uh, but yeah, so they talk about in the book, he talks about a bus, right? And you got to get the right people on the bus, but maybe they're not in the right seat. So you have to move them around. So his thing is it's better to find fantastic people and get them on your bus and even if you have to move them around and figure out where they belong and do that versus you know just taking it anybody um i'm so guilty i will take people uh when i am desperate it's actually the beginning of this year if anyone can remember back to january uh, I, i'm in this mastermind group through uh the, this organization i'm part of profit first with other profit first advisors and one of the guys in my group is a CPA in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And we were just bemoaning how hard it was to find talented accounting people, like tax people. Like we had in the accounting industry, virtually zero unemployment, like unbelievable. You could not hire anybody. Um, I brought on two people and granted, I'm not like the most ideal workplace setting because I'm, I'm hiring people hourly. It's not like a steady job. I'm not trying to bring in like real employees. I mostly need them for tax season right now. That might change. But I have one guy who I was basically subbing out work to him. He had his own firm and like he had a, a family problem. But other than that, he was very good. I had this other woman who her whole career was like long-term temp positions in the accounting world. And she like went through, sat through some of my training and then just like stopped responding. And I was like, hello, hello, Bueller. I'm like, who are these people? And th this was like the best that I found. Um, and it was just so hard. And I've often run into this problem where it's hard to find good people. And then I started to realize that maybe the problem's me. <laughs> uh, I have a sister that's an executive in HR. Uh, and she's my only sister, not a sister, but, but my sister. Uh, and once I brought her in, I, it got much better, but it was still so hard. So now I'm like, well, you know, plenty of people are unemployed. This might be my opportunity <laughs> to actually hire some good people, but it's hard. It's hard to find. Um, and I thought it was a Florida issue. I thought, you know, down here, everyone sucks, blah, blah, blah. I'd rather be outside at the beach, whatever. And when I had the opportunity to talk to somebody who's up in the Northeast where it's like, you know, Mecca to us down here, like, Oh, back in New York, back in whatever. 
And for him to be like, yep, nope, can't find anyone. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, I'm going to take that limiting belief and throw that out the window because it's clearly not a Florida problem. Uh, well, that's has been my issue, you know, it, just trying to find good people to work with and ones that aren't going to quit after two weeks because I go, oh, I found something else or yes. and I try and be really nice to them and then I try and be strict. And I, I mean, I go, I kind of run the gamut to see what's going to work. Right. And in the end, they just want to do whatever they want to do. And sometimes they'll throw you a bone and they'll do their work. And it's really hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's hard. Um, and I'm wondering if it's like, like, listen, we can talk about uh, the millennials and this or that, but I find it doesn't matter what age the people are. No. <laughs> it's everybody, you know? And if yeah. this is just the modern ADD <laughs> brains that we have, I don't know what it is. Um, but... I'm the interesting yeah. thing he's found in the book was that it's not even compensation because I was like maybe if I pay more I found better right. people paying less than paying more yep. <laughs> it, it's, I, I don't know I don't I have not been able to find the key to motivate to motivate this group I try and to be enthusiastic I'm thorough I have training sessions I model exactly what my expectations are it doesn't seem to matter because um, I think what he talks about, though, is that, you know, the who is not, like, if you have to really motivate them, they're not the who you need. I agree, but I'm trying, you know, but... But at, like, at the same example, time, you need the who's. Like, you sometimes you just need the bodies. <laughs> we're looking for a part-time science teacher, you know, and I've been spending all sorts of money to, you know, find, you know, to recruit... And I'm down to two people that are the only two that were actually qualified. And neither one of them I'm too thrilled about. Right. So according to him, you should keep looking. But I feel like in some regards, that's a very, you know, if you go back to that first chapter of how did he pick his, um, his, his subjects that he looked at, if you're in a big public company, you might be able to operate without a position filled until you find the who you right. running a school can't operate without that science I need a science teacher <laughs> so it's not, some of these things don't translate so well to us small businesses but you know I think the thing that is important is when you see like this isn't working that you just need to like rip that band-aid off like don't and you might be stuck like all right I'm gonna find somebody for now and if you find someone better you're like, yeah it's been real <laughs> it's really hard it is it's hard it, it, it uh, listen yeah. that's why i said the ideas are simple but the the actual or the concepts are simple but the actual implementation of some of this is really hard um i'm gonna keep moving because we can talk about bad hiring for forever and ever and we're on chapter like three at this point um chapter four. wait four which one's chapter four yeah. Facts over fantasy, the Stockdale paradox. This confronts the brutal facts. Yes. Okay. Confront the brutal facts. I'm going to say as a largely solo person that confronting the brutal facts is probably the hardest thing to do if you don't have other people like that either you mastermind with 
or you've got some kind of advisors. Uh, I actually am extremely lucky that I am married to a MBA business executive who can tear every single thing that I do apart, which isn't always made for the greatest marriage. But <laughs> as I have gotten much older and more mature, I can step back and look at those things and be like, I understand what you're saying. It used to be a source of contention where it's like, well, now I don't want to talk to you because blah, blah, blah. But um, you need somebody who is not you, who is not so in the weeds to be able to like show you reality, right? It's very hard to hold that mirror up to yourself. And you could have like great books, you can have dashboards, you can have all this crap. But if you don't have somebody who is like, you need to see the reality and not have it, oops, hitting my keyboard, not have it um, like clouded by the other nonsense that goes on in your head. That's amazing. But, you know, like he says, do you have any red flag mechanisms in your organization? Uh, I mean, mine is, is pretty silly. It's like how much cash is in my bank account, which is not the greatest way to run a business. I tell clients all the time not to do that. Like, this isn't how you run your business, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you need, you need something. Um, I don't know. And I think every business is going to be different. Like with Wendy, with a school, she's going to have a different, like, I'm going to guess it's probably tied to like enrollment or parent satisfaction or, or something like that. Um, you know, like Shaggy, what is, what shows you that you're ready? Well, my, 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 my first instinct was going to say money in the bank. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I close business, you know, or my team closes business. I get a direct deposit. I know that I, you know, that, that I'm making money. Uh, but, but the truth is that's not something that I can actually control. Um, right. you know, it's, it's the lack of the things that you can control. I'm, all I can control is my activity. Uh, yeah. You know, the things that I have to do in order to get the outcomes. You know, I, I can only control the incomes, not the outcomes. And ultimately right. the outcomes then generate the income. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I came up with that now. I might've heard it before, but I came up with it now. Uh, but basically, um, you know, the, I, I think one sort of red flag for me, and it's, you know, it's a moment where if I'm on, you know, leadership or, or manager calls, and we're going through our own personal numbers. And, you know, I, it's, hey, Shragi, what, you know, what, what did you have going on last week? What do you have going on this coming week? And it's like, okay, I have two actually set appointments as far as, you know, business generating appointments and everything else is sort of still up in the air. Doesn't mean that I won't generate $6,000 that week, you know, from, from one appointment that's sort of still in the air, but at the beginning of the week, only having one or two you know, set in stone. Yeah, these are appointments that are happening, and I just got a text about one of one of them that's not happening later uh, today. Um, I'm 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 saying the hell with I'm I'm switching gears, and uh, you know, if, if he's a, con a, a if he's a business consultant that doesn't want to invest the seventy five dollars in possibly expanding his business, and he's the one who approached me about it, um, then I'm going to talk to him about rolling his wife's you know, old 401ks over and, you know, I'll, I'll make a couple grand doing, doing that. Yeah. And when he sees how easy it was for me to do, he might, you know, say, Oh, Hey, I could have made that money. Um, but yeah, but, but, but it's, it's the, it, it's, you know, what I have scheduled, it's, you know, yeah. is my schedule properly filled. Now, obviously there's a lot of gaps and things change and, 
you know, uh, if you have you know, like 10 appointments a day is like the magic number or something crazy. Or you know that, what? It's very different, different now. I mean, it used to be, you know, if, if I was going to drive down to Homestead and then, to, you know, and then up to you know, West Palm or, you know, those were getting scheduled on different days. Now I can be down in Homestead up in West Palm an hour later and, you know, in, in South Jersey an hour after that. You know, I, I, <laughs> twice a week, I'm now in my New Jersey office. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, because, because Zoom. You know, so I stopped driving out to Benita Springs once a week, and now twice a week I go to New Jersey. There you go. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I live in Aventura. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the neat thing uh, that might be a shakeup. And he talks about technology later. It's like the technology, Zoom has been here. There's no reason that you weren't doing this before. I was. I, I was still right. servicing New York, New Jersey on TV. I'm in tele video conferencing i mean i'm a bit lazy i hate driving around i hate when people don't show up to meetings driving effing crazy so i stopped doing them in person and i'm like you can have a zoom call with me and i've been doing that for a long time but now it's being like a normalized thing because we're in this you know social distance bullshit but it's that technology piece and he talks about technology later like the technology itself isn't changing your business but utilizing it very well might be and making it easier for you. Um, one thing I do want to talk about in this chapter, they talk about the Stockdale paradox. And if you didn't read it, Stockdale is, um, he was, uh, Admiral Jim Stockdale and he was in, uh, the Hanoi Hilton for a long ass time. And, uh, he was eight year imprisonment from 65 to 73. And the reason he was significant was like, how did you survive that? Like we can all bitch and moan about what we're going through. We're not being tortured by enemies, we, we, we know more or less what's happening in our lives, even if there's some amount of uncertainty. Um, but his, the Stockdale principle that he talks about is, or the paradox, sorry. Stockdale paradox, retain faith that you will prevail in the end regardless of the difficulties and at the same time confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. I will say when I first went out on my own, and I've been doing this now, uh, not quite 10 years. I started the business, uh, did it on the side. A couple years later, went out on my own because it's a little bit younger than Debbie, who's 10, my youngest. Um, there were many, many times when I would just be like in tears and be like, why am I doing this? I could go get a job. I can just, you know, put the kids in after school, whatever. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And, you know, I had to just keep faith in myself that I could do this better and the outcome eventually would be better than just saying like, screw it, I'm just gonna go get a job. And it's, it took years, <laughs> it was a long process. It wasn't like, boom, okay, I figured it out. I'm still every day like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but I don't, I, I now have that confidence and that belief in myself and my ability to achieve what, you know, can I get X number done? I set a goal for this year it was 40 new clients. Slowed down dramatically with everything going on. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? This is my new reality. People aren't filing tax returns right now. But anybody who survives this, they need help with PPP, EIDL, SBA, that whole you know alphabet soup. There's going to be different needs for businesses. I can help them because I have to figure out for myself. And it's that like confronting my current reality was tax returns aren't making me money this year, <laughs> at least not right now, not with the, the, um, the deadline moving. 
yeah, eventually people are going to have to file returns, but I tend to find when people go out of business, they often don't file that last tax return for a few years when the IRS comes and says, oh, hey, by the way, you haven't filed and we're levying you or blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I had to face that brutal reality. And I think we're all facing a lot of brutal realities right now. Uh, but I had to, you know, just have faith in myself. Can I do this? Well, I don't really have any other options right now. I'm going to have to pivot. I'm going to have to figure out what works what doesn't work. I can't just be like, well, I'm just going to do cheaper and cheaper and crappier tax returns because that isn't, doesn't win for anybody. So well, I think his he, paradox is cool. In yeah, well, in the paradox that he talks about, he was saying that the optimists were the ones who didn't survive, who were say, we'll be out of here in a month. We'll be out of here in the end of the season. And it made me think about a long time ago in my sociology uh, class, um, they uh, talked about how somebody who does, like, works in a factory, actually, like, psychologically uh, will do better if they just kind of in their head, one more, just one more, just one more. So uh, I found it interesting because his whole thing was, um, you know, being able to look at the brutal facts and then by continuing to have, like, faith that everything would emerge victorious in the end so they kind of that that is a paradox and i wouldn't say the optimists were necessarily wrong now if they were dying in the camp then right they I, lost I, faith they lost faith it's not yeah. that they will be will be out in a month although they can just in their head say okay <laughs> another month you know what's funny when i go running that's how i run it's like okay just like exactly one more minute like i can get, just keep going one more minute okay now one more minute now one more minute and you eventually get through it but it's not like when i get to the end of this block i'm done you know it has to be like uh, a more iterative like well yeah that keep makes doing sense. this I'll, I'll survive this and then if i keep, keep doing this i'll survive this um but i think it's also like you kind of have to be, and you know, this is like against what my yoga teacher would say, because they'd be like, be unattached to outcomes, but you kind of had to be attached to that outcome of I'm going to get out of here. You know, it's not going to happen on a timeline. It's not going to be the way that I think the process I am unsure of, but I know where I'm getting to. Right. And not being married to the how that it happens because you don't know. And maybe what you think you know isn't right. Like that's the facing the brutal facts. Um, I just I thought that was interesting. I'm I'm gonna skip ahead because <laughs> five minutes to two. If anyone wants to hang out, I will talk about this all day. If you have to go to, uh, I have a two o'clock webinar. Yeah, I figured someone had to go. But the hedgehog concept. This is probably I don't understand why this isn't a whole book in, unto itself. His hedge hedgehog concept is. You do one thing and you are like the best in the world at that one thing. Um, and he's like a three circle intersecting Venn diagram. Um, what can you be the best in the world at? What are you deeply passionate about? What drives your economic engine? And holy cow, this isn't like the hardest thing to figure out on your own. <laughs> I have not figured this out. If anybody's figured this out so far, please enlighten me and everybody else. Uh, he does say you need a counsel, like you need people to talk to. You can't, you know, face those brutal facts on your own. Uh, but some of his things that he mentioned was, oh wait, he talks about the economics, but 
um, Circuit City, right? Well, it's not even a good one. Fannie Mae, right? Could become the best capital markets player in anything that pertains to mortgages. I didn't know they did anything other than mortgages. <laughs> and maybe they did back in the 80s. I don't know. I was too young to pay any attention to that kind of a thing. Um, Gillette could be the best at building premier global brands of daily necessities require sophisticated manufacturing technology. Yeah, I use a Gillette razor. I don't know if anybody else does. Like, I think they succeeded. <laughs> They're really good. Um, it's the best a man can get. Hey, Philip Morris could become the best in the world at building brand loyalty in cigarettes and later other consumables. <laughs> I feel like they had an unfair advantage by making them addictive, but hey. <laughs> Um, Wells Fargo, and now, you know, this is dated because Wells Fargo, none of the banks are, are so great anymore, could become the best at running a bank like a business with a focus on the Western United States. And they, for a long time, before they decided to commit fraud, they were, you know, well known for being a good bank. Now it's like, I don't know. Uh, Kroger. I have never been in a Kroger, but if you are from wherever they are. I, I, I'm from where Kroger's are. I always hear people <laughs> from Atlanta. They're like, Kroger is the best supermarket, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's just a supermarket. I don't know, but. Well, that's you know, what people I, say I, about I, Publix I, in Florida. So. I don't understand. No. I hate Publix. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I've, I've been in one, maybe two Kroger's in some of my visits to Atlanta, and I will put them over Publix. But then again, I'm a ShopRite boy from Brooklyn, so. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what the oh, hell do I know? But it, there was nothing magical about it. I don't know. No, uh, not at all. But. And so they take that, like, what could we be number one at? And they were able to tie uh, an economic indicator. So, like, Kroger was profit per local population. And to me, with the counting and, like, the more financial side, I thought this was interesting because I'm always trying to figure out how do I analyze, like, if someone's a good client or not. Usually it's do they annoy me, which is not a good indicator of anything. But... You know, do I say like rev uh, profit per tax return, profit per life of client, profit per specific service? I have no idea. I haven't figured that out. But it was really interesting to see that like Gillette wasn't um, there. They shifted from profit per, per division, which is a really traditional accounting idea to profit per customer. If I'm buying Gillette razors my whole life, holy cow, that's valuable. Whereas... I don't know how useful the per division is. It's just convenient for accounting purposes. So the hedgehog, it was such a great idea to have this like one big thing. So I'm still trying to figure out my hedgehog idea. I don't know if anybody. I, I tried to figure this out. Like, obviously, like I said, so my business, I help nonprofits implement Salesforce and also teach uh, students to become Salesforce administrators. So I have an apprenticeship program where they can, this basically the nonprofit can get uh, lower costs because I have apprentices working on their project. Um, so I was trying, I, I've been going back and forth as to whether the, I have my beta class right now, as to whether the training thing is actually good or should I just scrap that all together and if somebody's certified and doesn't have any experience, I see if they're the right person. But when I thought about the profit per X, really profit per student is going to, to drive it. So they're going to pay for the training and I'm going to hire them and they're going to work on these consulting projects and they'll benefit and I'll benefit. And then eventually I'll become a recruiting firm 
and I'll be able to get money for having these experienced. Here, buy my uh, apprentice. So <laughs> profit per profit per student is what I decided, rather than profit per non nonprofit. Um, because I'm going to have a pro bono program for low budget nonprofits, so it's not going to really be an apples to apples comparison. I have a couple people that I should introduce you to. Remind me after. Okay. Um, like I have a friend who just became the head of um, uh, the Miami Foundation, and she's got a boot camp for non. They're not necessarily nonprofits, but they're social. Social whatever. Um, social do-gooders. Yeah, social. <laughs> I, there's a specific name for those types of businesses. I just can't remember off the top of my head. Social enterprise. Uh, like social interests. So, socially yeah. conscious. No. Uh, social no. There's an actual. Yeah, like, there's an S corp. Yeah. Or yeah. It's a corporate social something corporations. Mm -hmm. Some of them are nonprofit, but she's very well connected all over Miami. Okay, that would be great. Yeah. Thanks. So. Uh, I'm sure she can, I don't know how like into her new role she is, but she knows a ton of people and she's an awesome friend of mine. Um, but no, this hedgehog thing, because I remembered thinking about this when I first read this book and I'm like, I need to figure out what my X is. And I think it might be lifetime value of client, not necessarily, you know, per return. Because I get very like in the weeds, like, oh, well, you know, this one return like took too long or this took too and I'm like but does that matter is it more important to build up that relationship over time and the traditional accounting firm view was like we'll get them in at a cheap price and then raise the rates next year and the clients were always pissed off right and we have some amount of stickiness where the clients don't really leave but it just it doesn't seem like it's to me it seems like a little bit unethical to be honest, it's like, I'm going to quote you low, get you in, and now you're hooked. But it also isn't how I want to develop a relationship with a client. Right. Right. It's like, you also oh, want to develop those referrals, because uh, referrals, again, also become, uh, I think the stat I saw, uh, B and I were just uh, posting about it, uh, and I saw it. I think, uh, you know, a client who, who, who's through a referral is 23% more profitable over the lifetime of the client. Probably, client because another way. you've got... A lower cost of acquisition. You've got uh, social proof, right? They're <clears throat> they're much easier to sell <clears throat> because they've already heard from somebody else how great you are. You know, they're more committed on their own because they often are coming to you. So there's all these reasons why that's the case. You know, right. I think a happy client is probably more important than you know just get them in the door. Because that's that, that's been my philosophy. Work, you know, once and gone. And I'm like, you know, it's a lot of work to even uh, onboard and get to know. And I've been doing this for a long time. Like I can look at your tax return and I can quote you a, a fee and I can tell you what you need to do. But there's still the like the getting to know like, okay, you know, with this couple, the wife's on top of it. The husband's nowhere to be found. Or with this couple, like, you know, they've got this, that, and the other thing going on. Or with that business, this is how they like to do things. You know, you still need to keep that information somewhere. It tends to live in my head, but there's a cost to all of that. What is that cost? So probably the lifetime client value is probably for me the X, some, some way of measuring that. And I've had clients for, some of them stick with me for a long time. And it's also, 
you know, thinking about it that way would change. How do I perceive those clients who've been with me for a long time? Right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to fall into the trap where I'm like, well, they're not leaving because they've been here for 10 years. Right. They could leave. They could leave tomorrow. Yeah. So it, it was super, that, that one chapter I thought was just so profound and it was so complex. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't remember. Do you think what it was the, contradictory? The, the, what can I do better than anyone else in the world versus the level five leader supposed to have no ego? Like for me, I, I feel like I can define something that I feel like I can do really great, but I'm not going to say, well, my competition can't do the same. Like I, well, I, I, I think part of uh, a definition of humility and actually I'm going to, I have my, my next webinar here. I'm, I'm waiting. So when, when that comes in, I'm going to have to jump off. But while, until they start up, um, yeah, the, the, the idea of humility is not, or, or lack of ego is not necessarily not saying that you're the greatest. It's, you know, it, it's acknowledging and, and, you know, I mean, the idea of radical acceptance is accept what you are, where you are. And, you know, maybe, maybe thinking that somebody else can do it, you know, as well or better if, they had all the exact same situation as you, but you know, if, if you are truly the greatest, it's not, e it's ego maybe to go and yell it from the rooftops, but to acknowledge it and know that you are the best at this or you can be the best at this and therefore pursue that direction with it. I don't think that's ego. Yeah. I think that's and then also acknowledgement of, of work. when he says you, he can be saying the company. So that's more than you. Yeah. So that, what can your company do better than anyone else in the world? And then, well, and he yeah. also. All right, they're, they're, they're starting off. I, I got to right. jump off. I think All right, uh, Bet. Thank you. It was nice meeting everybody else. And uh, Bet, let me know what the next book is. Next yeah, time, I'll exactly. get the right one and read it. <laughs> uh, he also says in here, though, like it's important. Uh, like, key to understand what your organization can be the best in the world at. It's equally important to what it cannot be the best not what it wants to be the best at. So it's not a goal of strategy and intentions and understanding. So I think that's why it's not so much an egotistical thing. It's not like, well, I'm the best in the world at blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, what is it, what is actually possible? Like I am fairly certain it is not possible for me to be like the fastest runner in the world. Biology, <laughs> physiology, determination, like it's not going to happen. So for me to be like, well, I'm going to be the best runner in the world, that would be egotistical. Whereas if I was like, I can be the best, I don't know, like micro business advisor in, in the world. I don't know. Maybe, I guess I could, if I really, really tried, I could do that. So it's not like an egotistical so much as a, just like an understanding, like what skills do I have? Where could I apply this? How could I do it? Um, but it's, it's certainly a complex thing uh, because it has to also, what can you be the best? And it has to drive your economics, right? So if it isn't something that pays you, <laughs> you could be really great at it. It's also not going to be your hedgehog concept because you can't like monetize that. So I think that's why it's like this tricky thing and you have to be passionate about it. I don't know. There's, there's not a whole lot of things that I'm very passionate about. And some of them passionate about accounting. Um, actually, no. <laughs> I kind of well, hate. Well, then accounting. you're never going to be a hedgehog. Sorry. I kind of hate taxes. Um, no. What I'm more passionate about is helping 
business owners understand how the, the money and the numbers, like how to control it for themselves. So yeah, the taxes are related. Yeah, the accounting is related. Yeah, the consultative parts are related, but I have zero passion for like reviewing tax returns. I really just don't care. I'm like, here's the mistakes. Like tell the manager to fix it, send it off. Helping the clients understand what they're looking at and how does it fit into their financial picture. I'm much more passionate about that. But at the same time, like Truggy's like a financial advisor. I have no passion for that at all. It, it does not interest me. Um, I find it to be kind of magic. I'm like, you put your money in this account and magic happens and then you either lose it all or you get more. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I feel about investing. Like, and I've taken finance classes. I understand the math and I'm like, nah, this is magic. <laughs> um, I, the rest of the book, I'm like, meh, whatever. So culture of discipline, undisciplined businesses, you're going nowhere. You just can't, you can't, it's too, you know, it's too all over the place. I suffer from discipline myself. When it's these rainy, gross days, I just want to like curl up in bed, bed and watch Netflix. Like I really have no desire to get things done. Um, I don't know. There's a whole lot of discussion about that. I thought the technology was interesting. So the technology can accelerate what you're doing. It is not in and of itself what's going to make it or break it for you. And I see that all the time. Like I love to use technology. If I can, if I can use a piece of technology instead of hiring somebody, I will do that any day. And it's really kept my costs down over time. Like um, I use this, this program called chaser.io, which chases people who owe me money and it's automated and it ties into my accounting system. And until I switched my billing model to be um, uh, like a, a it's more of a retainer than bill, bill you at the end. It was invaluable because I would have all these invoices out there and I never had time to like call people and whatever. And this would just send them a reminder every week until they finally paid it. And I was like, woohoo, it's paid. Um, but things like that, it, it increased my profitability, increased my um, cash flow, all this stuff. And it was, it's like 30 or $40 a month. Versus having to hire someone at other firms I worked at, they would have a whole AR department. There, this one did the billing, this one chased the money, this one dealt with deposits, like all this crap. And I'm like, nope, I have one app to replace a department. <laughs> Granted, it's on a smaller scale, but it was still like, you know, how to use technology. Also, because I have Alex, I have I have a CRM. I have, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have marketing things in place. It's always a little bit broken because it's never my focus and he's like too busy to have time to really help me implement this and stuff. He made it way more complicated than it needs to be. Um, I don't even, you know what? I think this is where technology was a hindrance because like I really love HubSpot and I really can't justify the cost of getting all of HubSpot. So it's like half broken. Uh, I see. Uh, and when I've tried to use simpler ones, it was like not doing what I needed or I didn't know how to use it properly. So there, there's always something in there, but yeah, like, but this kind of, we talked about before, you know, zoom has always been here, not always, but you know, it's not a new product, but now people are, because they're being forced to use it. It's like, Oh, it's not a big deal to do a zoom, um, you know, 
meet meet greet or mm-hmm. meetings or webinars it's, whatever it's just it's gonna be, be so good for me because i was originally gonna focus my business on florida nonprofits and my network with nonprofits is in atlanta and north carolina oh. and since they That's these it. small nonprofits are becoming way more comfortable with zoom because they have to it's it's going to accelerate my growth and i think about the clients that i'm helping i i can't help a nonprofit that has a bad business model or a board that's stopping them from doing something but my pro bono client that i just took on sent two email campaigns out they have a ninety thousand dollar budget they sent two email campaigns out and raised fourteen thousand dollars they're primed for growth so i'm hoping this technology implementation will definitely accelerate that so we'll see if that's true we'll see if this theory holds water yeah yeah um i mean i'm gonna skip the flywheel because like it's kind of iterating it's doing the iterative of everything else in the book but the bhag big hairy audacious goal um Mine was the 40 new clients. Like that was a huge goal for me because that was going to be like um, like a 25% increase in clients for the year. Uh, I stopped keeping track when things went south <laughs> with the whole world. Um, but I, you know, I like that exercise of, you know, what, why are you doing what you're doing? What is your goal? To what end are you going to do it, you know, knowing that my passion is not actually in filling out tax returns. Um, it's like, well, what am I passionate about? I have a lot of hobbies. I like, I'm super into the scouting program. I spent a lot of time on it. Um, Shraggy and I, what we know each other from is our stage combat group, which is, um, a pretty significant time commitment. Um, when it's not, the world has ended. It's, uh, we meet for like four or five hours every Sunday. We do Renaissance festivals and stuff. So it, it, it's a lot. And I'm on the board for that. I usually don't do board treasurer positions, but it was needed in that organization. So I've been like setting up the systems and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's that kind of that servant leadership. Like I want to be able to give back. I have had success in my career. Um, Alex and I do just plain fine you know like we're great mm-hmm. i can help out in these various communities that i'm part of whether through the synagogue through like jewish federation through scouting through this other organization um i and i kind of take my business as this is what funds those passions right right and i can't hate what i'm doing because <laughs> it doesn't fund anything so I've found things. I really like hosting these. I like doing this book club thing. Um, I did it before, kind of put it on hold for a bit, came back now because I'm like, well, we're all stuck at home. Let's read a book. <laughs> um, I started doing webinars. Really like doing webinars. Um, I, w- I would like to increase my reach maybe. So, you know, maybe that's part of the goal is just like to reach more people mm-hmm. because yes, I would like more clients. I would like more of the right kind of clients. So if what I talk about resonates with people, then hopefully they are the right kind of client because more crappy clients, that's no fun. Um, 
I probably should have made a more specific goal than just 40 new clients because that was That's measurable. That's it specific. is measurable, but it's not so specific because like, I don't take on a lot of individual tax returns, like easy returns. Cause I tell people it's not, it's not worth it to them. I will flat out tell them like, you're going to pay a lot of money and you could get the same thing, either do it yourself. I think everyone should be able to do their own taxes. Like maybe not if you have a business, but your personal taxes, you should be able to do you know, go to H&R Block, do it online. Especially in Florida, we have no state income tax. It makes life so easy. It does. Like, do it yourself. Like, that is, you're not my, my target. So I probably should have been more specific about, you know, what 40 kind, what kind of clients, mm -hmm. right? Whatever. Yeah, what kind. Uh, my, my fiance and I do this thing. We got these giant post-it notes on our wall in our bedroom with to-do and habits short-term goals which are like the year and then long-term goals which are like five-year goals and they're like or sometimes two because i'm 38 and i put beyond the 40 under 40 <laughs> list <laughs> no I, I turned 40 this year though i feel like i should get the year back <laughs> because of what's been going on but um yeah i'm a little bit sad that i never even applied to any of those 40 under 40 things. And I was like, I could do this. I could do this. You don't get anything if you don't apply, right? If right. you don't ask, you already got the no. <laughs> or if you don't ask somebody to apply for you. Exactly. Like I got my boss, the level five leader. I got her a bunch of awards because I kept just nominating her for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she just kept winning. I wasn't expecting it. I like put five in one time and like she won this award in Atlanta at the same uh, time. Usher was like the famous social good person and she was like the executive director so she's there taking with a usher. picture with usher that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but you know it's i think it's also hard and you'll probably run into this starting a business mm -hmm. uh, and i ran into especially when my kids were younger and it was just like i had horrible habits that i got from places i worked before and i was working 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 deal with kids, deal with kids, not sleeping enough, not taking care of myself. And, had, and my husband would be like, for what purpose? Like, why are you doing this? Like, you don't make that much money. It sucks up all of our time. Everybody's unhappy. And you have to like really step back and be like, why am I doing this? And you have to like meet yourself where you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yes, I could do more work, but why? Why am I doing more of it? And once you start having those like, you know, I guess he talks about like these core values and these core purpose. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. I decided that I took some concepts from Profit First, which is a whole other conversation. And maybe that should be one of the books we actually review. We did um, Clockwork, which is by the same guy a um, couple, probably like a year ago, Mike Michalowicz. But, uh, and he just came up with a new book, Fix This, this, Fix this Next. <laughs> but um, so Profit First, the idea is if you take out your profit, all you have left to operate on. Oh, if you take out profit off the top, you're automatically a profitable business. You just have to be able to operate on everything else, right? So it's imposing these mental and financial constraints on your business and forcing you to operate under them. And I said, well, what if I did the same thing with time, right? Because I was always like, well, I'll just do one more return. I'll just work more like, okay, everyone's gone to bed. I'll just keep working. And I'm like, but why am I doing this? What if I say I have the hours while the kids are at school Maybe during tax season, I'd, you know, sneak in for like a Sunday for an hour or a couple hours at night. 
but what can I do with the time that I have and how do I leverage that and stop working so much and stop trying to do so much more. And that really, really, really changed a lot of how my business operated. And I was much happier as a result. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But it's hard to like not sneak into that. Like, well, I'm just going to do it all. Apparently I'm a control freak. I didn't know this until like a year ago. (laughs) I want it all my way and I want to do it all. But you know, you have to like a little bit let go. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's where the, the leadership comes in because that's, what I've had to experience, like when I was at the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation, I hired AmeriCorps VISTA members every year. So, I mean, they were signing up for a year of volunteering. So they, I had to learn when to just be like, I don't think that's the best way to do it. You go ahead. <laughs> and, and then when to coach them. So it's like, okay, well, you, this one guy, he wanted to, <laughs> he came up with this a uh, Santa Claus needs eyeglasses for Christmas song that he kind of <laughs> sang to me. And I knew that another AmeriCorps member like had a recording studio and like did music on the side. I was like, well, get Shatira to sing it and try to put something together, but you need to do all this too. <laughs> and it turned out to be really wonderful. So like letting go of that control and not being like, Jake, that's stupid. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've met with people because I used to work a lot with startups mm-hmm. and people would be telling me about their new business and I'd just be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. I mean, I keep it to myself usually, but, <laughs> and you know what? And I've learned this also from Alex is that a lot of times you can have a dumbass idea, but if you have good marketing, that can be more important than your good idea. <laughs> you really can. Because I have ideas all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, look how brilliant I am can't market them it doesn't matter well and if you're not the audience like oh I don't understand that sounds stupid right oh knowing your audience is like a <laughs> such a key thing Reject. I get so much spammy stuff calling me all the time all right well it's almost oh, this fantastic I could like I, said, I could talk about this book for like ever and ever um what should we read next I had a list let me see if I can find my list have you read Eat That Frog? No. Is it good? I don't know. Have it's on it? my list while I was searching for, for business books. It's about, so eating that frog means like doing the hardest thing that you have to do all day first. Ugh, that sounds terrible. And, <laughs> and, and then everything else seems easy breezy. So it's about like doing something really hard right away and not avoiding it. It's about no non-procrastination. Oh, is that the problem? I procrastinate? So the next one I actually had on my list was start with why, which is also like fantastic. I mean, I haven't read the whole thing. I have it. I want it at something. Um, I've seen the Ted talks, whatever. And it's, you know, it's about leadership and it's just inspiring other people. Um, uh, I have other stuff. Attraction was supposed to be the last book that I did before my book thing fell apart last year. I haven't been able to finish reading the book. I don't particularly love it. Um, I know some people are big fans, but I find it kind of boring. Uh, this is what I have on my list. And here, this is actually, I can share the, the list. And 
like I said, if you want to friend me on Goodreads, you can see my ridiculous um, Okay. Come on, Google Docs. Oops. Send to everyone. Um, these were things that so sounded good. And I tried to not do stuff I've read already. Like I've read a bunch of other stuff. Um, start with why was next traction. I just, there were people who were like, oh, tell me when you do it. I really want to read it, discuss it. And I'm just not caring. Yeah. Not about I, the people, start, about the book. Sounds <laughs> terrible. What? Start with why sounds good. Yeah, it's is a good book. Should we do that from that one next? Then I don't have to. Sure. Order. All right, June. We start with why. I'll do it like roughly in a month. Um, I find I take the last week and read it. Then I could probably do a book a week at this point <laughs> because I read it the week before. Like sometimes I start all ambitious and then I'm like, oh my god, I have to finish the book. Um, start with why. I think it'll be really good. Traction, I'm, I don't know that it's ever happening because I'm just, I don't really What like is that it. one about? Traction is like a, it's a whole system for how to run your business. Okay. But again, it's one of those, like someone with a consulting firm uh, wrote a book to help, you know, make himself seem more impressive, I guess. I don't know. Because you can be a traction, you can like be a traction like I'm a profit first professional. You can be a traction consultant, whatever. Um, there were some other good ones like deep work sounded really good. Um, power of habit. I think I heard about this from a different book about little habits. And I found that little habits book annoying, but I wanted to read that one. Um, E-Myth is like a classic. Um, Built to sell sounded great, especially if you're trying to build something that can run without you, which I don't know. I got to go back through my list. I have so many books on my to-be-read list um, that, and I don't know that all of these sound all that appealing anymore. Uh, but this was, yeah, I put this together like over a year ago, so. So y'all read the four-hour work week? Yeah, that was the first one. That's also How an old it? book. Is it good? Um, It's got some good concepts in it. That was where I was really like, if I stopped working so much, I would probably do better. And it's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a little dated at this point, but I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Tim Ferriss fan. It's very like bro, like bro science-y, bro. Well, it whatever, seems but. to me that all these business books are written by men. It's hard to find ones written by women. Are. Yes. Um, there was one I was thinking about reading Marie Forleo, who's like this big business coach, everything is figure outable. <laughs> That's what it's called. Everything is figure outable. I love it. I used to really like her stuff, but I find all these people who are coaches, like after a while, I'm like, eh, yeah, you're boring. Like I just, <laughs> I tire of them. That's why I like these ones. Um, I think Start With Why was also a researched thing because he did a TED talk about it. Oh, but right. I like these ones that have something a bit more behind it, not just like a force of personality. Yeah. Those are not level five leaders if they just have a strong personality. Exactly. Good to great. <laughs> They're just charismatic. Uh, and there's plenty of charismatic people out there, but you have to like, like give me something useful. There was a book that I read about willpower. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it was also really good because it was like, um, he would say like, okay, 
don't just use willpower to try to power through things because you can't. At some point, your willpower falters, but you can create your environment to be set up to be conducive to hit your goals, which I thought was very interesting. There was, uh, I used parts of that book. Like for example, I set up on Friday, I have a webinar about how to utilize your PPP funding if you have it. Why did I set that up on Friday? I need to figure out how to use my PPP funding. I need to go through the FAQs. I need to figure out how to get my PPP <laughs> all right offable and forgiven. What is motivating me? Oh shit, I put out to the universe that I'm doing a webinar. <laughs> now I'm gonna make sure it happens because I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh, sorry guys, I canceled the webinar because I didn't feel like doing the work. Right, I'm using <laughs> I'm like reverse willpowering myself. Like I'm not, I'm, my fear of looking like a failure to my entire mailing list and Facebook and everyone I know means I'm going to get it done. So maybe yeah. that's a book I should add to there. I don't mind rereading things. Like I actually really enjoyed rereading this. If it's something I read a long time ago, great. But like not everything is so good. I, I listen to plenty of stuff where I'm like, eh, meh, whatever. Uh, I struggle to finish those meh, whatever books, especially if I'm reading a physical book. If I don't like it, I cannot finish. You can kind of like, like I said, at I, double speed when you're listening to it, get through it faster. But <laughs> you put it on two. Yeah. Like, uh, all these hard. I can use, <laughs> my normal read is 1.25 or 1.5. If I'm really trying to rush through 1.75, two is just like, get me out of here. <laughs> like I can't even process the words anymore. Like, what is well, this? it depends on how slow the person talks. I've been trying because I'm I'm studying all the um, because I wasn't planning to do this class online, so I've been looking at like organization at like how to teach online and theory and stuff. And uh, I look at the competitors, and a lot of them talk so slow that they sound like they're talking at normal speed when I speed them up to one point yes. seven five yes. or two. I have read things like that where I'm like, <laughs> when I listen to it at point one, they're they're speaking so slowly. There must be a reason that they talk like that. Like I'm guessing these companies that put out the audiobooks have discovered over time, like, yeah, this works, talk really slowly and enunciate. But right. I'm like, I can't handle this, like talk faster. <laughs> I'm still very Northeastern. Like I've been oh. in Florida for 15 years. Um, Florida's not the Southeast. It's not, but it. <laughs> Also not the Northeast, like, you know, when you meet people from New York, like, (laughs) things are just faster, it's like, faster speed, and I'm still at that, like, and I've slowed down where it used to be, when we lived in Boston, I was like, ah, everything has to be a million miles an hour, but it's like, things still don't move fast enough, like, like, I can take it more, like, talk faster, go ahead, I think because I'm just trying to get so much squeezed into my, my little window. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so we'll. Oh, this was nice. It was so nice Start to meet you. Y. This was awesome. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Wendy. If you're still really there, uh, I didn't think we'd go on this long. I thought I always think like I'm going to struggle to get through an hour, but it always you get me talking apparently, and I'll just keep going. I think because I work by myself most of the time. Like my dog barks at me, and it's about it. The mm. kids are all home, but they're in Zoom school. So once we all had like enough internet, it was okay. We, we were all fine. Uh, working like this. They're going nuts. I'm like, whatever, just stay out of my office. I don't care. But they're older, so they can Yeah. self-sufficient. Um, but okay, so in about a month, start with why, and uh, that'll be fun. That'll be a fun one, too. 
It's awesome. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you Sarah. Day. Thank you, Wendy. Okay. Thank you to everybody. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. I don't, I have your Facebook for whoever you wanted to connect me with. Oh, yes. Let I me. don't have your email. Here, I'll type in my email in right. the... Okay. Let me Give me your email. And and the extension is my website. So if you, in the introduction, you. Okay. Technopath. Oh, I like that. Like yes. psychopath, but with technology. No, like telepath. So apparently it's a real thing. Like I looked it up. A technopath is somebody who can control computers and electronics with their minds. Really? That's so, so cool. I love that. So that's. The dictionary definition, our definition, is someone who has the ability to learn new skills and technology. That's awesome. I like that. I like that it just sounds cool. It sounds very like... Yes. I'm getting my brother-in-law to trademark it for me because there are other companies called Technopath. Nobody owns Technopath.com, so none of them have ponied up the $2,500 or whatever the person's squatting on the domain. So oh, just, that. That's like a throwback to the 90s. Squatting <laughs> on domains. <laughs> Luckily, nobody had bethawkburger.com, so I was all set. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always get Sarah Epting everything. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, we could not buy. Alex tried to buy hawkburger.com at one point, and it was not available a million years ago. Um, I don't remember. I think How many hawkburgers are there? Not that many. Most of us are related one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a brother that's also in technology. His dad's down here. He's got some family in um, Rhode Island. This is his uncle, his aunt, but she doesn't go by Hockberger in New York. But not the Hockbergs. There are also Hockbergs running around, but Hockberger, probably all related one way or another. There's not a lot of us running around. So I don't know who, who, who swiped it. Somebody did. <laughs> That's probably actually someone we're not related to, or we probably could have gotten email addresses. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to cut this whole end part. That's weird off the video, but thank you so much. We'll see you next month. Thank you, Wendy, if you're still paying attention. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks. Everybody. Bye.